0: I'd like to welcome you all to our first episode, our very first episode of uh Cliff Notes. Um this uh this podcast is brought to you by I guess Cliff and Jason right now. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um no, we we wanted to do something um that kind of brings forth some real conversations that are kind of taking place uh for each and every one of us whether it's in the the world of addiction and recovery, the world of uh, executive coaching, um, the world of just you, our listeners. Uh, we want to make sure that we hear you. We want to make sure that we are talking about things that are partnered to your life, your experiences, your goals, your dreams, your aspirations. Um, very open at the top, and we'll soon be delving deeper into some of these specific areas. But this is our first one, so we're going to make make it great. I'd like to welcome Jason to our show. And Jason, for the viewers, say your name properly because they're going to try and say it when they see it on the screen.
1: Do you know what it is? Cabello. Yeah. yeah. Either way, Cabello, Cabello. Right. It depends. You know.
0: I I try to use I try to say the I try to say the V the the B is a as a V.
1: That's it's it's all good. So I I am of Mexican descent, so you're not wrong. Okay. Um, but I was raised by my irish mother yes um mostly so you know i I say it with with the two l's yeah however my grandmother would say it differently and how would she say it cabello
0: okay all right
1: does not come natural right yeah (laughs) (laughs) i do do not speak spanish so you 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 say it like a, a gringo i do say it like a gringo got you people assume that i'm italian
0: yeah, I mean, realistically, when I first met you, that was kind of what I was thinking. Like, okay, the dark features, the yeah. olive skin.
1: Uh, they assume that I'm Irish by looking at me, mm. Italian by hearing my last name, and then I tell them that I'm Mexican, and they're like, what? What? Oh,
0: <laughs> yeah. my God. So, I, was I, expecting I am this an, an enigma. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, well, I'm glad that we got a chance to actually have you on the very first show. As a matter of fact, credit where credit's due, Ian Jackson came up with the name, right? Shout out to Ian Jackson and you challenged me. You said, Cliff, I think this is something that you could or should do. Should do. Right. So I felt should on, by the way. Um, this is something that you, you, you should do. Um, and, and how do we make that happen? And here we are. First one, you know, you speak something out loud, Jason, and all of a sudden I'm here. Yeah what the hell the power that you have
1: well (laughs) it's the power that you have (laughs) that i thought needed to be out there you know you 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 you're a great speaker great energy obviously anybody who gets hired to just go and talk to people to get them to feel better you know because i've i've seen you i've known you as a therapist you are you know, part of my recovery process as as one of my therapists. And then I've seen you grow into doing um, public speaking, motivational speaking a little Mm -hmm. bit too. Mm -hmm. And I think anybody who can do that, and here's the important thing, because tons of people can do it. Tons of people do it, but you just see through the bullshit on most people when they do it. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, okay, so you could be on when it's time to be on, but who are you? off of when you're not doing that and there's not much difference between Clifton Fair the persona and Clifton Fair the person who I have lunch with which is why I honestly like no and I mean this wholeheartedly like that's why I feel you should have a platform because what you see is what you get with you it's not a persona it's not a the camera comes on and you're like You know, this is just, you know, you're, you, 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 you do what you do because I think helping people to feel better makes you feel better. Oh yeah. And it shows.
0: Oh yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. I I was just thinking about how much money do I owe him now with everything that he said.
1: Oh, I will give you the uh, itemized bill at the end of this. Uh, The checks in the mail. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Really appreciate that, man. Uh, I, I feel like the, the, idea behind everything that you just said or the person that I've become uh really starts and and ultimately ends with the uh the people that have been supportive of both of us you know yeah um, uh, I I don't believe that uh, I could have grown to to whatever place I am currently uh, and I say that because I don't even know sometimes I'm just kind of like existing and uh vessel comes word, yeah Um Um, But I I really believe it's because of the people that have touched my life, you, you know, and family, friends, and they continue to just rally around us in order for us to dig a little bit deeper into ourselves or try to uncover the next best thing, you know, that we can do in order to support everything that they believe we can, Mm -hmm. right? Or everything they believe we can become. So I thank you for that. Um, that that actually brings us to our topic today, you know, and this is going to be a really loose connection, but um, our starting point, you know, I was I was running this morning, and that's why I was late. To um,
1: weren't running fast
0: enough, right? Not at all, <laughs> not at all. Man, I swear, doing that run, I started cramping up real bad, and it wasn't my legs; it was my stomach. Mm. You know, right the stomach started cramping up and it's like, I "I don't know what to do with this. (laughs) 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 This is Austin. They don't tolerate that type of behavior. right? Um, So, (laughs) sorry. Um, Not sorry. Uh, So, you know, I was running this morning. I was listening to my uh, Nike, Nike running club. They do like the uh, guided, the guided runs. And one of the, um, one of the participating coaches, our guest coaches on the, on the the audio that I was listening to uh, spoke about their starting point. And I just thought, like, that needs to be the first episode, right? We need to talk about starting points. Um, And the next thing that came to mind after I took ownership of, okay, that's what we're going to be talking about today is uh, my father saying to me, Cliff, we all need comparatives, Mm -hmm. right? We all need to know where where we've been and where we are today and where we want to go, right? because that helps us remain grateful uh, that helps us capture some of those lessons that we've learned along the way. And it also helps us, it also helps to remind us that we've been through things already in order to take the necessary steps to go to where we want to go or dare I say, grow to where we want to grow. And, you know, I got you, right? I got you now. So I get a chance to start, you know, kind of digging into you a little bit, you know, when, when we talk about, you know, starting points, what, you know, like your starting line, right? What What was that? Like, what was your starting line? Where was that? When was it?
1: Starting line for for the man that we see in front of us. So we're talking like reco- my starting to recovery. My starting to you're,
0: what? You're starting to actually becoming the person that you are today, and you want to become for the future. Okay. What was that?
1: So, I mean, I think a little backstory is fair. Yes, sir. To Ferris, Ferris, Yeah. I from Chicago, grew up in North Miami Beach, Florida. Um loving parents. Parents were in the mom and stepdad were in the music business, so was raised around a lot of really crazy stuff, a lot of uh I mean this is late 70s, early 80s, so lots of drugs in the picture. Um mm-hmm. it, drugs were in my in my universe. As far back as I could remember, so there wasn't, like, some stigma about it. Like, I wasn't interested in doing them, but I really had no fear of them because they were always around. It was normalized. It was very normalized, and there were a lot of successful people doing them. Right. You know, it wasn't the junkie under the bridge, which I did later become. Mm -hmm. Um, It was, you know, pretty high roller people, pretty successful people, pretty cool people.
0: But you would imagine that if you're hanging around successful people even though they're doing these things, you should become. Yeah,
1: except. it's like it's like don't do what we're doing—partying all night, driving around in limousines, getting flown around—and you know, my mom worked for my godfather, Doc McGee, who was managing like Bon Jovi and Motley Crue—and I'm in, I'm in junior high school. I'm in seventh grade, and my mom's like, working for muscles. this, and they <laughs> and they are giving me, you know, tickets, sending me Bentleys to like take my friends. Doc said like take the senior girls with you because I'm, like, in seventh grade and he was, like, get a bunch of senior girls to come with you to this show and would, like, hook me up with this stuff. So it's not like I was, like, oh, this my parents' shit isn't cool, you know? Right. Like, but it all came to a crashing end, you know? Like, my stepfather got sick. We lost everything. So both sides of the tracks. I wasn't a spoiled brat my entire life. By the time I was 14 years old, we were living – um in a pretty rough area in Fort Lauderdale, and, you know, it wasn't it wasn't always good. My mom was going through a lot of stuff after my stepfather died, and just a lot of family issues, you know, but um stayed close as a family, and obviously as, like, a 14-year-old, as the natural changes are starting to happen, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? The world is crumbling, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So I, I took to the streets, you know, started... Getting into skateboarding and writing graffiti and stuff like that. Just street kid stuff, you know, because that's where um, I felt like I fit in. Again, drugs were always around. It wasn't a big deal, but very much a late bloomer when it came to drugs. I didn't even start doing um, anything that would be considered a hard drug until I was 23 years old. Started partying a little bit too much, and I'm working in nightclubs. Um, Again, drugs are everywhere, but it just wasn't my thing. And then around the age of 25, I tried opiates for the first time, 24, 25, like the first hard one. And that was a feeling that I wanted to, that I ended up chasing for a long time so I mean most
0: 25 year olds are trying to keep up with life at that point because it's so exciting and there's many things that you're chasing right yeah but you wanted to slow it down with opiates or or numb
1: no because I didn't start shooting heroin I started popping pills okay and I'm hanging out in nightclubs I'm DJing I'm doing stuff like that so it was like it was elevating where I was at okay because I have ADHD so it's Ah, so so an opiate hits me and I'm able I'm up all night I'm fucking ready to go right you know so and you can lock in yeah yeah. but i remember the, the feeling that i had the first time i had like a strong one right you know like a i don't even remember what milligram it was but not the fives or the tens but something a little bit stronger and like just that wash, wash that over warm, me yeah, yeah. i was like this is i want to feel this way every day for the rest of my life right. so all i did was chase that feeling mm-hmm. from say twenty four I think it was twenty four or twenty five until I was forty two. And you could imagine if that's all that you're chasing for that amount of time things start to fall apart. It's the only part of my life I was trying to keep together. Right. Um I mean, but there you had success. It just wasn't I mean I had showing on I mean define success, you know. I was right. I was I was able to keep up appearances and get hired at places. Right. <laughs> that right. that was, that was my success. Right. I was able to get hired somewhere. Right. And then it would just, you know, I'd fuck up and be irresponsible Mm -hmm. and, you know, like I said, my my only goal was to make enough money to get more drugs. Mm -hmm. So nothing ever, nothing ever stuck.
0: You know, when, when you're speaking about, you know, how you got through all these things, right? You just described that story and it was really just to, you know, to try and keep, at least keep that high going. Um was there were there points throughout that time where you were just like there's gotta be more um or, or was it all just the a fixation on
1: it was fixated it was um, how do I keep that one level of always having it, and that's it, really? like, yeah, I mean, so you, I, I just remember early on like. Having that that feeling once I started getting into the opiates like that that's all that mattered,
0: so there's like a cliche you know uh uh live to use, live to use live to use, used to live, yeah, used to live that was it so when 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 was so that transition took place definitely at twenty five
1: um maybe a little maybe a couple years after because okay. it was you know I was on what I would consider now to be low milligrams mm-hmm. um I was able to go to my grandmother steal a couple of her pain meds Mm -hmm. or get them so so it was like i was able to to get the pills enough and didn't realize what a chase it was Mm -hmm. so i you know in my head it was like you know i was working in restaurants at the time like work in a nicer restaurant make more money Mm -hmm. always have always have drugs you know and then okay what was that got you
0: so would you say that that's that's your starting, your starting line, your starting point.
1: Yeah, okay. yeah, because it it definitely um, shifted my my. I didn't have much of a trajectory. Um, I know when you were on the Toxicology podcast, my podcast, um, before I had talked about kind of all that, that. That was sort of one of my first addictions, I guess you could say. The mm-hmm. first thing that got me out of myself was. Wanting to impress people, mm-hmm. wanting people to be impressed by me, mm-hmm. and then I would tell stories, and then realize like that's all I had to do to impress people, mm-hmm. but there was no substance behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I didn't learn how to be. A, I I wasn't an adult until I was forty two. So it's not like I had had this these, this career this mm-hmm. this amazing life I put together. I was just sort of a. Uh, you know, floating through life, getting existing job, okay. yeah, existing okay. job, okay. the job, and, you know, never having any roots or anything like that.
0: Okay. So <clears throat> at 42, you, you say, you know what, like there's, there's gotta be something better or is it, I'm sick and tired?
1: It was sick and tired. And I had been, uh, um, Going to meetings and rehab, starting to go to rehab at that point for about seven years. Okay. So seven years prior to that, I, I went to my first detox and rehab, and like you hear so many times, I think I wanted to learn how to use successfully.
0: Right. Like I want to be normal in my use. Right. Right. It's never about this is killing me or, right. or hurting me and my family and relationships. The first time.
1: Yeah it's and,
0: like i'm just doing it wrong
1: and I, and i would go to meetings and i remember um you know this guy like really trying to to reach out to me and being like hey man so what is it you know what what what's going on with you and i tell him i was like well you know i fucked up my life because of this and that and he'd be like well you know you need to you or you should probably do this this is why i did it. and i was like yeah that worked for you but you don't understand like terminally unique yeah you don't yeah, understand yeah, it's yeah. like this it's like this and and Just after about five minutes of me doing that, he looked at me and was like, you know, you might be too smart for this program. And I was like, oh, thank you. You get it. And then 10 years later, I'm like, what did that guy say? Right. You know, it it, it really dawned on me. Well, now I get it.
0: (laughs) Um, Damn, that was fast. He gave up on you in five minutes. (laughs) I would have, too. You're not ready. Yeah. I mean, there's
1: only so many times you could butt somebody (laughs) and not listen. That's true.
0: That's true there 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 was a time with the that you did come uh come to grips with the fact that you could do something different like you could be more
1: yeah that was um, what, was
0: that at 42 like that.
1: that was at 42 I mean there
0: has to have been like a like a haunting moment where you said damn I, I could have listened to myself or
1: there was never a time that I went to treatment in the 20 times that I didn't have the hope that things were going to be different but I kept on, and I, I had, this was not an original thought. I had heard somebody on a podcast. It was actually Jake the Snake Roberts, the wrestler, mm-hmm. talk about his disease would let him go to treatment, sit at the front, do everything the therapist asked, do every bit of work they asked you to do, every suggestion they asked you to take, do it. Right. And then the second you hit the door to get out, that disease says that was a fucking great job. Let's get one more, right, and then we'll start on this recovery thing.
0: You high five that that high monster as you walk out of the door. Your drug attorney is just like, "Hey, way to go! You did that. Check that box. You deserve it." And then
1: we'll get onto this recovery thing. Right, and that one more lasted seven years. So, wow. So, this time, after going to recovery unplugged, sticking close to my sponsor who had been my sponsor for a couple of years before you know, me going in and out, but I always kept him close Mm. because he had what I wanted out of life. Mm -hmm. He was busy. Mm -hmm. He was always doing something. He was traveling for his career. Mm -hmm. People respected him. Mm -hmm. And that was attractive to me. So, you know, I kept that, I kept him close. And this time, you know, I, I say it often, it was. I had asked for help a million times. I had begged for help a million times. I had right. prayed for help a million times, but I never accepted it. So right. this time, I just started accepting it and saying, "You know what? You've been through this, mm-hmm. and now things are working for you." Mm-hmm. What do I do?
0: I, I want to circle back because that's. I feel like that's super poignant, and I think this is for all the the listeners out there. Um, the idea that. Um, you would go from wanting something, right, to accepting it. That was the difference that you just mentioned. Yeah, You know, so like, can you put your finger on that shift? Like, cause like a lot of people want shit, right? Like you got a lot of people say, I want a million dollars. Well, you don't have the legs to hold on to that, right? right? You don't have, you can't walk with that. You're gonna blow it on three to five different things and be broke tomorrow, right? So like, what, Versus accepting that, what 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 was the difference?
1: So it's really hard to comprehend the 20 times that I went to treatment, all the 12-step meetings I would go to, because I would get more from the meetings than I would from, say, a therapist. A, because before I went to Recovery Unplugged, the place that I went to 19 times, I had no real one-on-one time with my therapist. They, and it's not because these people weren't trying or didn't care. They just did not have the resources to spend the time my the first system was my, broken. My first day in recovery, unplugged. I spent more time with my therapist on a one-on-one than I did probably in a thirty-day stay at your previous at my treatment. previous place. So, right. um, so that made me feel heard. Okay. A. But like I said, I, I was getting more from from the meetings, and I would hear people talk. But hearing somebody with five years clean was just so unfathomable to me mm-hmm. that it just seemed like a fairy tale. Okay. I didn't know how to get one day clean or one day on my own. I could stay clean in inside a treatment or if I'm locked away somewhere. Right. But once I hit the streets, it's a different story because I'm on my own. I don't I, didn't, I don't have I don't have any tools. I don't have I don't know how to use them. Right. Um I would rather listen to the voice in my head to say one more than to pick up and call someone and say hey, I feel like getting high. Yeah. So so, so that 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 are, is that the want is that the want. The want was just it. W- it was honestly more of a kind of crapshoot, to be honest with you, because it was like, what? It, I can't keep doing this. Right. Like something's not working here. I obviously cannot figure out how to use successfully. Acceptance. Acceptance. That's the acceptance. Let me give this a try. Yep. So.
0: You wanted to have a different relationship with mom. You wanted to have money in your
1: pocket. Yeah, or- I just wanted to be a functioning member of society, you know, and, you know, I, I, I was at the point where even dreaming, like I didn't even dare dream for anything mm-hmm. because it was just so, it was so unfathomable to just have anything sort of a life put together like even, even I couldn't defeating. even I couldn't even imagine it like mm-hmm. so it started getting to the point where I had to be grateful for a bus pass okay I had to be grateful that I had the time to get up in the morning go to a meeting take a bus to work come back to living in halfway and then seeing the people who I was living in halfway with still in the same place from when I left playing video games all day just not doing anything with themselves and then you know people would be like hey let's go hit a meeting later and blah 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 and then I'd miss my bus and then rely on them to go to a meeting and they're like oh no we're gonna go and hang out with these girls or do whatever so then I was like well I'm not gonna get anywhere if I do that so then I would just I'm like you know what I'm gonna go to the meetings by myself if you show up there I'll, I'll catch a ride home with you and we'll go get something to eat afterwards and I think when I started doing that was taking responsibility for myself mm-hmm. and then taking. So I didn't have anything to protect, you know, right. at five days clean, you don't have that much to protect. Right. But once you put together a couple weeks together mm-hmm. and once I could afford my own bus pass and didn't have to get one granted to me. Right. And then once I could pay my phone bill mm-hmm. and then these little things I'm putting together, mm-hmm. then it was like this is mine right? and I'm going to protect it. Right. You know, and it's, um, so that, that's, I think what started, you know, I didn't have any self esteem cause I'd never put anything together myself. So it, it's kind of tough to, you know, to build the foundation.
0: You know, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking that's a hell of a, a starting line. Right. Uh, just being able to realize that like I have to want something different and then I got to be able to accept my own respective limitations and, um, in the way that I used to live, right? right. Then being able to also accept the help that's being afforded you.
1: And then the the other acceptance was like, I'm not gonna dream about moving to Austin, Texas and doing documentaries and music videos. Like if I can get a job at Whole Foods mm-hmm. and get a studio apartment and stay clean, that's enough for me. I'll be happy with that. Mm-hmm. And what I realize now, it's the staying clean part became what I wanted the most. It wasn't any of the other stuff that comes to you when you do stay clean and work hard. Right. So I say all the stuff, all the the, the things that I've built in my life mm-hmm. are a result of hard work. Mm-hmm. But the miracle happened the day that I asked for help and accepted it.
0: trippy, right? It wasn't about anything external. It was just about you saying, like, I, I want something different from my
1: life. Yeah, and I have to do it. You know, my, I could lean on my sponsor. Mm-hmm. I could lean on my support group, but they can't do it for me. And all my life, I've been a child, so you know, <laughs> with expecting my expecting them to jump, yeah, in the with t- my, like, you know, I and I felt better. I felt entitled to that, yeah, I'm, absolutely, like, you know, whatever little money my mom managed to hold on to, like I, my addiction got so bad, like at my, where my mom should have been retiring, she had to get a job at Target because she's, you know, putting up with me, and working like closing shift at Target when she's like getting up there in age and right. she's aching and mm-hmm. she comes home and like all i could think of is well you got paid today so give me some money right and god like now thinking back on that like and that that was that's you know that was my all i could think of is like not being not being dope sick and
0: so that that in turn becomes maybe even more inspiration and motivation today as you think back on you know maybe how the dynamics of of your relationship with your mom back then yeah. Right. So you being able to kind of like look at how you treated her then in order to keep you moving toward uh I guess the next leg of this journey, whether it's today and where you are and how you've grown. Right. Or what's gonna happen for you tomorrow and what you're working on there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm listening to you and and Jason, I really want to get more involved in, in in your story and maybe we'll we'll get a chance to kind of circle back. But I, I will say this, you being able to identify what your starting line is. Um, compared to where you are now, which is where you you're uh, you are. Let me get let me get the exact the exact title. Uh, I I give you the title right, Recovery Unplugged. I give Jason the title of creative director, creative manager. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, as a creative manager today, you know there there's still more of your story that we haven't even we haven't even delved into. Yeah, right. So. The, going from the starting line of just needing to uh, want something different, and then also then needing to accept, go through some degree of acceptance. Yeah. Now, fast forward to where you are today, like there's a there are like ten other chapters right there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping so, but the, you know, one one really important thing that I that I had heard, and I don't even remember who said it, it was like. It all makes sense now. Yes. Like in the past. Yeah. You know, and that's hard Hindsight. to tell somebody in the beginning. Right. It all makes sense now. Right. But once you put that faith that you're going to get somewhere, so you're driving mm-hmm. at night on yep. a road trip.
0: I, I did that last night driving to Austin.
1: Dark and stormy road. It wasn't stormy. It was well, I'm just saying. Right. Paint, okay. paint Sorry. the picture. All right, go ahead. Paint the picture. Right, Dark and close. stormy yeah. road. Yep. You're driving. Yep. Stormy road. Mm. Very little. You you don't see the full road from here to Austin. You see no. as far as the headlights show you. Yes. And that's all you need to see.
0: As you said that, it brought me right back to this room, right? Just going through that visualization process and realizing I need to open my eyes and be present,
1: be here now, right?
0: Yeah. Was that the thing that kept you taking steps?
1: It's all I had. Okay. Okay. You know, and once I realized that, like... What am I going to go back to that shit? Like, right. that that was that was a big part for me, like, hit, hitting the ground running. Right. It's like, I just wanted to move as far away from where I was. Where you started. And, you know, I think I told you when I was in Florida, I'm like, I have never seen, I had never noticed how blue the sky was here. Yeah. I had never noticed how nice this is here. Yeah. Like, because I was living so fucking grimy for so many years, like, I can't see beyond that shit. You know, I'm fucking dope sick riding with fucking dirty ass clothes with like blood <laughs> stains all over it on the bus. Like I'm not, I'm not taking in the sights. Might've been yours, might've been somebody else's, but it was, it was, there, right? <laughs> <laughs> it was de- definitely a mixture. Right. Yeah. Right.
0: You know, and, and so the crazy part about what you just said though, is like, that's, you know, a lot of people don't necessarily get that. It's, uh, it's you taking as many steps as you possibly
1: can in order to get further away from that starting line. Yeah. And it's so hard in the beginning. And it, like when I when I deal with Why? sponsees, because it's just so hard to to have faith. It's so hard when it's... Is it hard to take steps or is it hard to believe in those steps? Is it hard to believe in somebody else? For me personally, okay. it's just hard to not go back to that creature comfort of getting high one more time because there's nothing. It's like tomorrow can... Tomorrow, maybe just like today is, but I'm gonna get high right now and feel great. Right. So there's not that much setback. But you put six months together, you get your own apartment, you get you start putting some stuff together, it's a, you have a little bit more to protect. But at day two, day three, day four, you don't have that. So it's real that slippery slope. It's like those first steps are so hard. And I'm not talking about like the 12 steps, but just those first steps First days. The first days. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. The first hours. I mean, for some people making it out of,
0: you know, that 12 hour window going from, you know, some type of uh, step down
1: in the level of care. The first six to 12 hours is remarkable. And listen, man, like when I'm at Recovery Unplugged in Fort Lauderdale as a client, I'm looking out the window and you could see that 7-Eleven across the Mm -hmm, street. mm -hmm. I knew a guy who sold pills two blocks that way so i'm still detoxing and i'm like all i have to do is get over there right and i could feel better right now right but then i started realizing the night tech there mark he saved my life right? because you know he had been through what i've been through Mm -hmm. and he was like you could leave right now but a you're on scholarship so you don't you don't have money to come back right once you leave you can't come back right you could always leave tomorrow yeah I, like, I could always leave tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I am going to stay tonight. Right. But I could always leave tomorrow. Yeah. Thirty days later, I could. I always, can always leave, leave, to- leave tomorrow. Right. And right. I have thirty days behind me, and I am starting to feel better. You know, I am mm-hmm. starting to use the bathroom normal, and <laughs> you know, like I, I, I had a rough detox too, man. That that you know, because I had a little I've, methadone in my system. I've I had seen little- the
0: worst of those detoxes, and they are not pretty. Yeah. As it relates to unblocking areas.
1: Yeah. So I wasn't in full. Like methadone detox, cause that shit's the fucking worst. I, I and anybody who goes through a methadone detox, like I have the utmost respect for it, cause that shit's fucking terrible. Cause I just had a little taste of that. Right. And the Suboxone detox. And that was uh it's just this dullness that you just want gone. Yeah. But I did it.
0: You did it. You <laughs> did it. And you know, I'm gonna ask that you give the view the, the viewers and listeners one. One thing for them to hold on to um, during that transitory period from the, the the starting point to day two, day three, day four until you until you've been able to grab a hold of that next rung on that ladder of success, and in your own respect, in their own respect and right, not just in recovery uh, or or in business, right, or in li- just in life general, what what is that? The relationships, even what what's that one thing that you would offer to hold on to beyond that starting line?
1: You know, have the, if you know that you need to ask for help, you might as well accept it. Give it, Give yourself, I mean, if you're, if you're asking for help over and over again and then getting in your own way, trying to ask somebody for help and then trying to figure out how to do it yourself, you're missing the point. I missed the point when I did that. So it was, if I'm really at a point where I need to ask for help and beg for help and need your help, and oh my God, you have to help me, and then you tell me, okay, I'm gonna help you here, but you gotta do it like this. And I'm like, meh, nah, I'm actually gonna, thanks for helping me out of the hole, but now I'm gonna go this way and do that, and then right back in the same fucking hole.
0: You, you, you said it best, Jason, and you said it, and being able to acknowledge the fact that you need to make change, cliff note, Being able to trademark. Absolutely. Being able to make sure that, you know, you, you realize that you need to accept where you are cliff note and then being able to, you know, being able to understand, own, and appreciate the fact that, uh, the support, the opportunity that people, the opportunities that people are being afforded, uh, and, and definitely the help that's being offered, uh, is not just worth accepting, but in that moment is definitely needed for people to actually make their own respective change. Cliff note, right? So you know, I, I wanted to make sure that I, I captured that from you uh, and for us as far as the, the listening and, and viewing audience, uh, because it's important, right? I mean, these are things that you've been through. These are things that we all can relate to because we're all trying to make some type of change in order to become a better version of ourselves and i really just want to make sure that you they actually hear that but more importantly i want to thank you for actually taking some time in order to open up your chest show us your heart and also offer up some of your experience your strength and your hope and we really appreciate that jason listen up Cliff, no, <laughs> bars, right? So on on that note, I'm going to go ahead and say thank you again, Jason. And uh listening and viewing audience, we really appreciate you taking time in order to be with us today. We hope that we get a chance to actually speak with you again next week.
1: We're doing it weekly. Yes, sir. Fuck yeah.
0: Right? <laughs> <laughs>